Oh, actually, I need to pull up the thing, right? I mean, you can. You don't know all the shit by heart yet. <clears throat> we good? Yeah. Leave that in. Welcome to episode 43 of Cyclops is Waiting for Me, an X-Men the Animated Series weekly recap podcast. I'm JC, and I'm watching Rod touch knobs and dials, and I don't know if that means we're recording or not. No, we're good. I'm just checking for my own posterity, and I'm Rod. I have my first new album out in like 10 years, so I'm proud of it. I don't know if you will be, but I'm, I don't care. I mean, they're not proud of you. Fuck them. <laughs> I'm even proud of you, and I'm a piece of shit. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, it's on all the streaming things. I'm old, and I don't know what all of them are. Cyclops is Waiting For Me is our weekly podcast series where we are going back and watching every single episode of the original 1992 X-Men the animated series in their original intended script order, building up to the release of X-Men 97, coming to Disney Plus in 2023. Some quick reminders. We are recap. Se- we are a recap show. Leave that in too, because why not? This is going to be a shit show episode <laughs> about a series that started now over thirty years ago. Also, this is the first show that we've done since the anniversary hit that oh, we yeah, recorded after. <laughs> we were very well prepared for that anniversary day. So yeah, happy anniversary to happy everybody who worked on it. There will be spoilers if you don't want it to be spoiled for you. Pause this podcast, watch the episode, then come back, and we will do our best to avoid mentioning anything about future episodes that we have not covered yet. We are currently not sponsored or affiliated with Disney or Disney Plus in any way, shape, or form. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Cyclops IWFM Pod on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. And of course, make sure to follow us on all your favorite podcast services. Twitter is debatable. Yeah, right. Although arguably, Twitter has not been this entertaining in a decade. So (laughs) it's like saying you go to NASCAR to literally watch cars light on fire. I mean, is it not true? And finally, we record these episodes in batches right now. So if we're reacting to any news about the upcoming series, we may be a few weeks behind. And sometimes we're recording them out of order. Yeah, right. Although, I, so I'm going to comment on here. This is a little bit of a spoiler if you haven't seen Wakanda Forever yet. I guess if you want to skip ahead, like maybe 20 or 30 seconds. But you probably should have seen I I think people would care if we have seen it by now. But we got our second mutant in the MCU. I mean, we've, we've always known that that character is a mutant. But he said it. Yes, but we've always known that character's a mutant, Rod. I love Namor. I'm still calling him Namor. I'm not yeah. calling him Namor. <laughs> now, on to the show. Today, we are talking about not only Wakanda Forever, but Season 4, Episode 7, called Secrets Not Long Buried. It aired on February 17th of 1996. So, it, this was in Season 4, but it was one of the later episodes that would air in real time during Season 5. And it currently sits at a 6.8 star rating on IMDb. Ooh, that is low. That's one of it's 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 one of the bottom third from a a ratings perspective. I don't know why my mind autofilled bottom feeder before you finished that phrase. <laughs> because we have an extended double episode coming in the next two weeks <laughs> with a guest. Yeah, it's fun. You should check in. Yeah, before. we we have a Joe guesting, but it is not Joe Russo. <laughs> You know, we can't use that intro because the audio got messed up. We should like put it as like an extra post somewhere. Just throw it on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Make 75 fucking reels of, of next week's show. All right. So things kick off. And normally what we do is we will go through all the story points that I have written down with terrible handwritten notes. But we're trying to make it through a little quicker. So you're going to hear the shit show in real time. This is going to be fun because my notes are a stream of thoughts. And I don't necessarily remember what they're tied to. So we <laughs> So things kick off and everybody's favorite Cyclops is flying over the desert in a small jet and he's 
leaving like it is kind of like a voice message at first i thought he was talking to professor x but yeah. he's actually just kind of like leaving a message that he can't contact a man by the name of taylor prescott and it's been two weeks rod what were your thoughts on hearing taylor prescott did that stand out to you at all not really honestly but i it was weird because like i couldn't decide if i remember this episode or not so like the name did the name stood out in the sense of like i think i'm supposed to remember this so i didn't Taylor Prescott, along with a few other characters that I'll mention as they happen, were created specifically for X-Men the Animated Series and do not have a comic analog at all. Interesting. Yep. It's not like a reference to like a, a cast member or like a staff or something. If, or not, not known, at least. If if it is, it is not mentioned, okay. but, but there is no marvel comic 616 equivalent of him and a few other characters. Okay. And I saw, the, and then they had the flashback. Yep. Pres- Dr. Prescott bringing two like teenage age mutants to yeah, Xavier's. I would say they they felt even younger than teenager to mm. me. They felt like adolescent. Like yeah. I would say they were probably like that eleven year old like age range. Because because thirteen to me is how they draw Jubilee. Okay, that yeah. that makes sense. And I got through context clues and stuff that they're Andrew and Nicole. Are we supposed to know them? I didn't nope. recognize their powers. They seem to have like a vague like hard light and crystal power kind of stuff. Yeah, there was there was one that was like kind of like a hard light thing with also made like almost the third eye appear on Andrew's head. Then Nicole doesn't seemingly have enough control of her powers. But as we're seeing this flashback, we get Scott in the original costume. Yeah. Like his like 1963 debut costume. And so this was like kind of like the time frame, right? That's showing us like how far back that was. Yeah, this so obviously, you know, real time and show time are different, but this is still very, very early showcasing that there's some sort of long established relationship between Scott, Professor X, and Prescott. And we hadn't seen him before, not that I remember. Oh no, like this is literally his first yeah. ever appearance pretty much anywhere. There's a little bit of like a fast forward and you see that Scott is is holding this crystal shard that is a statue of Andrew and Nicole with Prescott. And it looks like it was made from Nicole's power. Which is kind of cool. It's a little symbolic. Even even me, you know, Goldfish or whatever. I was like, yeah. oh, that's a cool little like kind of shows that she has control now, right? Enough right. To, like sculpt something. Yeah, I mean, I would I would say so. If you if you can make something look like a person as opposed to Scott needing to blast it with <laughs> his optic beams. Yeah, totally. But they know that Prescott has gone to establish a mutant community. And a little bit earlier in the episode, we hear the reference called Skull Mesa. Did Skull Mesa invoke any any reaction from you? I just assumed it was in Arizona at that point. I mean, <laughs> totally, totally fair. But it kind of gave me like cowboy western vibes because it doesn't seem like a real town and like granted crossing the country i've seen towns yeah. that have names that should not be what i think are real towns like french it, lick indiana yes <laughs> yes that's that's very high on the list i would agree with that i get that too because yeah. we'll see throughout the episode they kind of invoke this imagery and eric leewald does acknowledge in previously on the making of an animated series this episode was inspired by westerns so where our generation Westerns were kind of like tossed aside and not really a thing anymore. His generation growing up was very much inspired by those as like primary entertainment, movies, TV, etc. That's interesting because I've actually heard like my godparents and stuff refer to cowboy movies as like what their MCU was, like superhero genre. Right. It was just like something that like everyone was doing and there was a different subgenre within that whole like kind of craze or whatever. Yeah, we kind of had the last like cowboy movie really during our adolescence with like tombstone 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. But like after that, it's been an occasional one off. But the genre that were like everything was being made has kind of gone away. Yeah. When we were growing up, we were seeing like the classics of the Cowboys as reruns and stuff. Yeah. I specifically remember a John Wayne movie where yeah. they were like making a big deal that it was going to be in 3D. So we had to go to the local pharmacy and like spend five dollars or whatever. And then they would give us those red and blue 3D glasses. Oh, so it wasn't even like the, the lenticular style. It was literally yeah. the red and the blue. Yeah. Jeez. But and it wasn't like I, if from my memory, I was pretty young. I was I want to say like maybe six, seven, eight. It wasn't an ironic like retro thing. I think it was literally like this is going to be in 3D and you get those glasses. <laughs> so as Scott is traveling, we see this this mutant who has kind of like a dog face and <laughs> such. And we don't find out at the beginning, but his name is Watchdog. As my my <laughs> notes say like a bulldog with telepathy <laughs> sent to Cyclops. So. <laughs> Very similar to Taylor Prescott, Watchdog was created for this episode. Interesting. That's yeah. a bold choice to make. I, I I mean, this is a very dramatic design. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I'm like, wait, have I seen this? And all I could think of is it reminded me of Lockjaw from the Inhumans. Yeah. But Lockjaw and the Inhumans very, is very much a dog. <laughs> well, Sorry, Lockjaw was an inhuman that when he went through Terra Genesis became the dog. I didn't know that. I believe at, that's what yeah. I believe. I could be totally wrong. And if I'm wrong, I'll correct it on social media. Yeah. But I do believe that that was his Terra Genesis mutation. How disappointing. I mean, not that he's a cool character, arguably the coolest one of that actual show that happened. But Please do not base <laughs> the inhumans off of that show. No, but I mean, like of that show, it's like, oh, I, I like the dog. <laughs> But what what a weird! Can you imagine like going through basically mutant pu- puberty and waking up like a pet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, your cousins are becoming like Triton, so they could like yeah. go into the the water. Or Gorgon, who's like a Minotaur, who's crazy strong. Yeah, and your royalty. Yeah, he's oh, wow. literally a part of the royal family. That's wild. But he sees him flying over. He has some sort of telepathy, and he realizes that Scott has Prescott images in his mind radios to somebody we're not really sure who that is doesn't is asking you know are they a human or are they mutants uh, yeah it doesn't matter shoot him, <laughs> shoot him down yeah so watchdog essentially unleashes like a psychic attack because you would think it would be like a rocket or something yeah because he pop he pops out of like a like a like a turret, turret at the top thing, yeah. of the mountain yeah so i was expecting to like just shoot at him with lasers like everybody else does mm-hmm. But yeah, so like this psychic attack hits, it takes down the jet. Did you notice when the psychic attack happened that Scott's eyes actually flashed for like a second? No, it makes sense now though, because what happens now? (laughs) Yeah, so in the crash, he loses his glasses and then all of a sudden he opens his eyes and he realized he doesn't have his powers and you actually Mm -hmm. see Scott's eyes. Yeah. Which has only happened one other time with Gene, I believe. Yeah. Aside from when he was pre-puberty and developed his powers, yeah. Goes tries to radio home radio's dead essentially i like how it's also like a like a wired handheld phone like design <laughs> i was like does he have a rotary phone in his jet it was it did remind me of early car phones because yeah. my my mom transparently she owned a business and part of that she was like on the road taking meetings all that kind of stuff so we did have a a car phone and it was literally like hardwired into yeah. the car like People hear car phone, they don't know. It literally was wired into the car. Yeah. Like if, if you're 21 and listening to this, 
like it it is trippy that you literally could not take your phone out of your car and you had a and like unless you had like a very specific business thing or whatever it was like an extreme luxury because it was so expensive which is funny because if you look at the actual cost of it compared to like what we pay for an iphone right now mm-hmm. it was actually cheaper with inflation i'm sure it would yeah, be more yeah, yeah. but it was like 700 800 for that to be in your car and anybody who walked by could literally see that and if like they wanted to break into your car there's nothing you could do to hide it. i was wondering like yeah how, how bad car thefts were but i guess it wasn't as functional separate right i don't know yeah i never stole a car or a car phone <laughs> i also i wasn't old enough to grasp that concept at the time. i mean i knew that the car phone was there but not to like you know like what the mechanics of using it was and stuff yeah it, the car had to be on i remember that too oh well, that makes sense have yeah. power and stuff yep so scott Fails at radiating home. He starts walking in the direction he believes the town is. Car drives by him. And what does Scott do? He yells. yells. <laughs> it did look like he was going to like pass him. But the guy did stop. Didn't argue with him and let him in the car. But he didn't stop until Scott yelled. Oh, yeah. So then when he got in, he was like, what's the problem? Didn't you see I needed help? I was like, the stranger's picking you up, man. Be a little bit nice. <laughs> yeah. He, he, and he gives him water like very nicely, yeah. too. He's like, but. He's basically taking an Uber. So that character. Daryl Tanaka also was created for this episode. Okay, I was going to say, I did not recognize him at all. Nope. He was created specifically for this show. That's why he's actually referred to by his name and doesn't have like a code name or mm-hmm. something like that. They drive into town. You, you, they drive by a, a sign and the sign says Skull Mesa, the first human and mutant community, mm-hmm. which is pretty ballsy advertising that I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. And this was like the first kind of like hint at the old Western thing. Because it's the thing with like the stranger walks into town and everyone like starts shutting their doors and yep. stuff. It wasn't completely spaghetti western, but it was like a little hint at it. Like everybody was dressed modernly. Yeah, everybody was dressed modern, but it was also like people were seeing them even just driving in the car and they're like, we don't recognize this guy. Yeah, yeah. Tanaka actually references this and he's like, yeah, they they don't like strangers. They're not used to that. And then that triggers like Cyclops having a little bit of a flashback to... We either saw this scene or an adaptation of the scene in a previous episode, right? Where Scott goes back to the orphanage. It is at the orphanage. It is a different scene, though, because this okay. is specifically where Scott is playing baseball with a bunch of kids. And as the ball is hit towards him, I don't know if it's just like he's excited he's <laughs> going to catch the ball, but he blasts the ball out of the sky. This brings up so many undiscussable questions about what happens during puberty and if you're a mutant and when you have laser eyes that are activated by excitement. <laughs> Rod and I <laughs> listen or watch this show in such different ways. So... <laughs> The other kids who are presumably at the orphanage with Scott are pissed because they probably don't have a good amount of money and he destroyed their ball. So they're going to chase him. They very much felt like older than him, too. Like I got the vibe that even though Scott was like a little bit on the skinnier side and smaller side, like these felt like kids who are maybe like a year or two older than him. I was going to say like a grade or two. Like he was still like in late grade school and they were like in junior high. If they, if they were, if, if he was a freshman, they were, they were like seniors yeah. kind of scenario, but they were going to like beat up, beat him up. And they run into Prescott and Prescott kind of gives them like the talk down to mm-hmm. calm him down and such back in, in the present, they go to Tanaka's office and you find out that he is both the only doctor and the only coroner in town. Yeah. It's dark. Not only is it dark, there's never a payoff to the coroner thing. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe that's just like something to do with like the one doctor town from the Westerns that inspired the episode. Yeah. But I was like, like you would call it a mortician in in like the Western. So I was 
Yeah. It was all good. I was just That's like, That's another standards practice thing. Like, you yep. can't say mortician. You have to say cork. <laughs> yep. And then what happens after that? Oh, Scott's still yelling at Scott yells. Yep. I don't know why he's yelling at this guy. I, I'm yeah, he's very, only helped him so far. Yeah, he's done nothing wrong. <laughs> he's like being a little coy, but it's still like this dude didn't shoot you down. Mm-hmm. He picked you up as a stranger in the middle of the desert. I would be cautious about the screaming guy, too. So I probably yeah. like wouldn't tell you a bunch of shit. I guess my little bit of credit to Cyclops is that he's still confused. And I had to rem- like try to remember this throughout the episodes. He's still confused why he got shot down in what was supposed to be a pretty innocuous like visit. You right. Know? I guess. Although he hadn't. He, he just he, said he was missing a guy. So I guess. Yeah. That, he hadn't yeah. talked to him in two weeks. Yeah. So, so maybe it was just a buildup of suspicious things. Yeah. But Scott's angry. He picks up the phone. Looks like he tries to call and then just hangs up. The phone was just for show. And he, he's asking, he's like, you know, why would somebody try to kill me? Why are they scared? And doesn't really get an answer. And yeah. Tanaka's like, doesn't really want to say. But again, I get it. I If I was Tanaka, I wouldn't either. Yeah. Like this guy has only yelled at me the whole time. Yeah. F this guy. And honestly. also, if, if, and if you imagine him as being part of this town, everybody else, he's pretty much doing like an extension of what everybody else is doing, but he just happened to be the guy that has to deal with it. Like right. he, he would probably be closing up his shutters too if he was home and this thing happened. Right. So Scott decides to leave and walk around town. You get the continuation of like, he walks by, people shut their their windows, run into, into houses, etc. I had a really great memory here. I was like, oh, hey, it's Tusk. But that was before they oh said Oh, my name. God. I am so impressed on the memory of the name right now. Because of the action figure. <laughs> Me and my brother, we love that action figure because he had the little guy that came out of his back. I can still remember the compartment door that slid open and stuff. I didn't remember what he sounded like until rewatching it now. I did not actually have a Tusk action figure, so... <laughs> Yeah. But I think he was just one of the cooler ones. You know, like we were, we were always looking for like the coolest gimmick. And we just thought having a second action figure, even if it was a small one, was like, really cool. Meanwhile, you didn't remember Warstar from the Shi'ar Imperial Guard. Not at all. Who's <laughs> literally the giant green robot version of Tusk. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Continues to walk around, sees a woman who I cannot describe any differently than the older female version of the Jolly Green Giant. I actually made a note here. Is, is that is she from the Morlocks or is it just very similar? I got similar. I okay. don't believe she's supposed to be. She was one. the opposite, basically, right? Well, there was the, the oh the, the pestilence, the pestilence woman. So she was the opposite, but she looked very similar, except she was green. Very similar, like like body structure yeah. and such. But no, it's definitely not the same person because the horseman is still the horseman. So mm. yeah, oh yeah, she's just running out because they let her loose. Because why put anybody in jail? <laughs> but then we meet three characters. We meet Bill Braddock, who's also known as Solar. Mm-hmm. We meet Toad, who. Toad Ugh. in the comics, member of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, so normally is paired up with Magneto or Pyro and Avalanche and, and people like that. And then Chet. Yeah, I, I was confused about the Chet thing because he didn't exhibit powers for a while. So I was like, and this dude. Right. So after the fact, find out Chet is, is another character created specifically for this show. What? Okay. But there is a character within the comics called Vanisher. Okay. And I thought it was Vanisher, and I just didn't ever realize Vanisher had an accent because I've only read him. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes, you know, unless unless words are written with the pronunciation mm-hmm. in it, like phonetically, you don't know that somebody has an accent. So I was like, oh, is Vanisher Australian? Not Vanisher. <laughs> no. So was his power like kind of like phasing or something, or just like disappearing, uh, like, basically? Yeah, basically he could like phase in and out and disappear mm-hmm. and such. So, but... Chet was created just for this. Bill Braddock in the comics is not named Bill Braddock. The name in the comics is Silas King. 
And I don't know why they chose Braddock, but the name Braddock is super loaded within the X-Men universe. It sounded familiar, but I didn't connect it with Solar. So you you have Captain Britain, mm-hmm. who is Brian Braddock. Oh, okay. And then Psylocke, who is Elizabeth slash Betty oh, wow. Braddock. Okay, I didn't think I knew Psylocke's last name. So the version of Psylocke, the original version, before her consciousness got put into the assassin, mm-hmm. like, because she was a prim and proper British woman, mm-hmm. her consciousness went into somebody else's body and actually took over that person's body for however long in the comics. Yeah. But Braddock is their last name. Oh, wow, okay. Yep. So Bill, Solar, whatever <laughs> we want to call him, basically is like, yeah, you know, people here don't really take well to strangers, which now having the context of the Western all makes sense. Yeah, because otherwise it's like, are you talking like really weird? Like, just tell them to leave. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of like that passive aggressive, like, I'm going to threaten you mm-hmm. without actually saying the threat. So if you take the swing at me, it's your fault. You were the oh, aggressor. Yeah. That's at least how I always yeah, read it. Checks. They start going to colloquialisms and they're like, yeah, go back to the city. And they told him that Prescott, he left already. Yeah. And Cyclops was like, well, that's interesting considering he invited me here. Yeah. Two weeks ago. It's like. But then right. you get the bully like style of like, well, are you calling us liars? Yeah. It's like, yes, 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 I am. <laughs> There's a reason why. Yes. So Scott leaves. Scott knows he has a three on one scenario and they haven't directly expressed a threat to him yet. And it's still pretty mysterious. He hasn't completely sussed out what's happening in the whole situation anyway. Right. So. Yeah. And I think a part of it could just be like, well, I know that these three are a group. Mm hmm. Do they have other support though? Like, can I, like, if I fight them, is everybody who's been hiding from me going to actually like take the swing at me too? They don't know like how strong he actually is and and what kind of influence he has at least. Scott starts to leave. They essentially gave a, oh look, he wore out his welcome. Like, you know, goes back to the house that they told him Prescott was staying at and there's green ooze all over the place. Yeah. I. I totally forgotten that was part of Toad's power set. It's interesting because usually I've seen it drawn where it's coming from his mouth and it's kind of like, like mucusy. But I, I mean, I'm sure this was one of those times where standards and practices is just like, please do not have a character spitting on each other because <laughs> kids are dumb and will absolutely emulate this. It's kind of like Morbius in the Spider-Man cartoons having the suction hands. I think it's even. I, th- I think that's because of the blood the aspect. Blood the vampire, the biting and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but but this was a like kids. It's going to be even easier for kids to emulate spitting on yeah. each other than like biting somebody's neck. I, I now this is what I was curious about. Has he always had like this manipulation of the slime, like where it had like properties to it? I always thought it was just like gooey. I can't remember a specific story I read with Toad where that was the case. That said, unlike our guest on next week's episode, I don't have anywhere as much experience with the pre-2005 era of of X-Men comics. Mm -hmm. So I can't tell you how his powers have changed over time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is, is, to me, like, I wouldn't be surprised if this was, like, kind of a convenient evolution of his powers for the story. Because they were saying, like, this one made them unconscious, that one will kill you, and, like... Yeah, because, I mean, I definitely remember video games like X-Men Legends, Apocalypse, Apocalypse War or something like that. It was the second X-Men Legends game, the one that was the same style as Marvel Ultimate Alliance. But but there was a power where, like, Toad spit green acid, essentially. I remember that. Like, a slime is, like, kind of a variable and 
yeah. in the in the superhero universe. He goes back to Tanaka. The first thing he does when he gets back to Tanaka's house after being gone for however long to search is like yell at him, which I know he's like upset and everything, but it's like still, this is the one man. This is the help. one guy who's not a dick to you. <laughs> but then comeuppance happens. Yeah, Braddock, Chet, and Toad. It's so funny to say it that way, like Braddock, Toad, Solar, and Chet. Come over to the house. <laughs> you just added Solar twice. I know, right? <laughs> but they even, even like Solar's like real name is more interesting than Chet. I mean, Chet, the, the problem, like, he's not a character, yeah. so. Uh, but they, they go right back to his house, probably because they heard Scott yelling. They, also, they were following him. Yeah, but I mean, if there was any question of where he was, like, the one house that's making noise in this entire town. Fight kind of breaks out. You actually see Chet teleporting, mm-hmm. and then Toad oozes Scott. Which is arguably grosser than him just spitting on him. Do you think that something developing from your hand is grosser than a green acid spit coming from your mouth? I don't know about the acid part, but like... Sorry, green green, green something spit coming from I guess, your mouth. You know, I, okay, I take that back. I guess if he was like to like hurl on his hands and then do it, yeah, that's grosser. Nope. But just like him, like because he was just kind of like mushing it like he was backling drywall or something. Or yeah. it was just like gooey all over t- <laughs> Scott. And then they, you know, they 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 take Scott, they bring him, and they they give the explanation of essentially Toad creates a resin, mm-hmm. which I don't, I didn't know that was the accurate description for the resin there, but whatever. But it acts as a Karara. Oh, I didn't catch that. There was. It says it acts as a thing which puts people into suspended animation. And that's where you get the reveal that Prescott and others are essentially in suspended animation. But I didn't know the thing that they referenced of like acts as a, like I said, I think it's Karara is the mm-hmm. phrase they use because I wrote it phonetically yeah. specifically because I don't know what the actual word is. And I'm like, if I'm a guy in my late 30s and I don't know what that word right. is, when I was like 11... I definitely didn't know what that word was. <laughs> yeah, I probably skimmed past me then like it did today. But You didn't even hear it. So. Yeah, right? Yeah. But even the resin thing, I wonder if that was just another like standard practice thing. Like we can't say mucus or like, you know, whatever else. Scott doesn't really understand why he's like, I'm a mutant like you. And they're like, dude, we don't give a shit that you're a mutant, essentially. Mm-hmm. The three of them reveal that they arrived in town because they were trying to hide out from whatever they were up to before, just as mutants and stuff. But yeah, they were they were essentially already like a low-tier gang, mm-hmm. and they, they went to a peaceful spot, and they found out that there's actually a massive gold mine hidden underneath Skull Mesa, and Prescott was mining only what was needed to keep the town afloat as like a self-contained community for like mm. trade and barter essentially. But Solar and, and Chet and Toad are like, oh, let's just exploit the shit out Capitalism. of Capitalism. Yep. <laughs> they ripped their shirts off. Like, yep. Yeah. And we had, I'm going to call it three cameos and a plus one. Yeah, this one had a bunch of cameos. So at that point there, you see the gold mine. Who are the people in the gold mine, Rod? I'm trying to remember. I can't remember his name. There was the guy that was all white with the guns for hands. Random. Oh, that's right. He he was up before, wasn't he? This is the second time I've forgotten him. At least probably third or fourth. Yep. Random was in, was was seen. Tusk wasn't in there. I don't. Tusk think. was not in there. I don't. I can't think. I can't think of anybody else that stood out to me. So this is the one where I think you should be ashamed as okay. a Mortal Kombat fan. Forearm was there. The guy with literally oh, four arms. I didn't know his name, but okay. His yeah, name yeah. is Forearm. Okay. Yep. And then the really big Morlock, the guy who's just kind of like, he looks almost just like a big ogre is the best way to describe him. Yeah. And then there's a random guy who's like half lizard. 
Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I remember yeah. the lizard guy. Yeah. And that's actually where we get the reveal that Braddock's name is Solar. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny because I watch all these with captions. Yeah. And I like how it was just the difference of it was there was two R's at the end. Yeah. Solar with two R's. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then they show like the ultimate hubris where they're like, we're going to take you out tomorrow. Go beg for help and see what you could get in like overnight. Yeah. And they let him go, essentially. Yeah. They got the memo from the X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> This is what we do. We yep. let our enemies go. Oh, yeah. That, it, and that already, you know, just because I saw enough cowboy movies growing up was the like the shootout. It, it wasn't high noon, but, you know, the like. OK Corral. So we find out that essentially only Prescott really stood up to Solar, which mm-hmm. in this world where mutants are are always the ones who are, you know, dealing with the bigotry and such. It's it's interesting that these powered beings actually were the ones who like didn't stand up yeah. for it. And somebody actually stood up for them, was on, you know, essentially trying to be on the right side of, of the scenario. Yeah. Scott is trying to find help. Him and Tanaka have a conversation. He gets a little more now that he's revealed the gold mine and everything like that. And Tanaka said, Yeah, Prescott was really the only one who who stood up to Solar. And Scott like goes for the throat yeah. with his response. And he's basically like, how do you even call yourself a doctor if you're not willing to help people? Cause and that is the thing though, right? Cause like doctors, is it Hippocratic oath? Hippocratic oath, which, but the Hippocratic oath is thou shall not harm yeah. essentially. Maybe I'm making it a Bible verse, but it's, you won't yeah. cause harm, harm yeah. intentionally. And this is just a, this is not a, you know, universally accepted thing, but a personal interpretation of that is like, if you have the ability to do something and, and you, you don't, don't, then you're causing harm. You're, you're just you're pretty close to just as guilty as the guilty party you know like i know that's not universally across the case and stuff but especially in something like this it's like well you know he's a good point you're a doctor your whole thing is helping people and then you let the other guy take the fall for it you know yes but that said and this is something this and we won't go into the politics of it but there has been a lot of conversation that that is not taken by all doctors oh okay yeah and again, not going to dive any yeah. deeper into that, but that is a thing that is not universally like a requirement of being a doctor. And so I to guess speak. we technically don't know if he is a doctor because we didn't hear if he's a doctor first or a coroner first. <laughs> well, you're a, you're a doctor until you become the coroner. <laughs> we didn't say he's a good doctor. That's true. Oh. He's just the only one. Right. So then Scott decides he's going to walk around and try to recruit people. He heads over to the mechanic, and that's where we actually get the reveal that his name is Tusk. Too. Oh, yeah. That's actually like where we, we find out his name. Yeah, he's like, he's like a car engineer or a mechanic. Mechanic, yeah. Mechanic. But yeah, he's fixing that engine, and then that's... I felt like that's where we got a little bit of like how could Braddock and the team have like or the gang have leverage. Yeah. Because Tusk is like, listen, man, I'm a family man. Yeah. Yeah, he's like wife, wife and kid, and Chet arrives, and he literally goes, "How are, how is the wife and kid?" So yeah. it's like, is Tuss little back person? I don't. <laughs> yep. Yep. But that, but it, then that kind. Of, I'm just thinking this now. That actually follows the logic of like, if you have a community where you've advertised, this is where you come if you want to be kind of invisible, find peace, and live a chill life. You probably have the most docile of the mutants, right? Like, you have the people that don't want to have the fights. Yeah. yeah. And so it kind of it tracks a little bit more in the logic of like, that's why they all kind of like fell back when right. they took over, which is like a not a great plan of defense in being vulnerable. I agree. <laughs> Scott Lee's because Tusk is like, 
sorry, man, I can't do anything. Mm -hmm. And Chet and Toad are literally just like following him. Like now it's not even subtle. It's yeah. like literally he goes and he knocks on the, the you know, not jolly green giant lady's oh, yeah. door. And she's just like, no, she's like, I'm not, I can't <laughs> I don't want any. I wondered if they were following him too, because they maybe not, ex didn't expect him to take it that far. Or if, if someone had visited in the past, they didn't go as far to go door to door to ask for help. Right. And Scott is just like that bold. Scott, you know, he goes out and he's, he's in the desert and he's just kind of like reflecting. It's yeah. just like really, it's really sad. Yeah. It's the inner monologue of giving up. <laughs> yeah. The next morning, Scott goes back into town, you know, presumably at sunrise. I didn't recognize her. She does have a name. Forgot to write it down, but he has a conversation with this blue lady. Oh yeah. She, yeah, she, she brushes them off. Ape who we've seen before. Oh yeah. Some of the Morlocks. Yeah. There. The Morlocks are, they're essentially there and they're just like hiding and not wanting to deal with it. So you get a little bit of a showdown in the street and Scott's, you know, like people will come looking for me and Solar's response is, don't you realize how much gold you have? Like people could come looking for you, but I could literally buy an army. And that's when a, a fight breaks out and Scott fights back and he does know, his best. He does his best. He didn't really have that much of a shot. Yeah. So from there, along with Forearm, who's actually there now with Chet, Toad, and, and Solar, Tate got to this big statue in the center of town of Solar. And he kind of gives like, and there's no other way to describe it. It is like a super MAGA style speech. Like oh, there's, yeah. there's, there's not another way where he's talking about the efforts of the subversives to destroy our perfect community. Mm-hmm. And I mean, well, that, he's got a hostage like slimed up and like yeah, basically doped up, right? Because he's he's got him slimed up with the thing, whatever Toad does to him to like make him. I didn't weaker. get he was in the suspended animation. I think he was just kind well, of like stuck. Yeah, well, it wasn't suspended animation, but like I I felt like when they talked about his resin or whatever, mm -hmm. he had these varying degrees of like what yeah. it could affect you, like you know. Yeah, and then he takes the statue that Scott had on him, and he's trying to show that this statue is a transmitter yeah that that gave a lot of like there's 5g and the vaccines energy yeah you know like <laughs> yeah like there was nothing about that that like seemed legit so i'd forgotten how far in the episode it was it's like god this is gonna be a second subplot because it it, it could have very easily have been a whole like proof that this isn't it but luckily the crowd isn't that dumb right but there were <laughs> there were a few who were biting on solar's vibe and those were three characters two from the Mutant Liberation Front, which were Strobe and Reaper. Those were two okay. of them. And then the other one who, I've never actually heard his name said out loud. I believe it's Sanyaka is the, the way. He's the one who's actually a member of the Acolytes. Oh, okay. So the guy who had the all red covering his face and had the whips uh -huh. is actually from the comics, a member of Fabian Cortez's Acolytes. Oh, that okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Who so. he definitely was an action figure. Has it remember if we had that one or not? We collected. He was a, he was a ladder set. Okay, I want to say. Yeah, those last couple of years a little hazy. Scott kind of gives the 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 opposing speech, and it's essentially you know what like are you really going to let him do this to you? He's destroying your community. What about Prescott and all that Prescott mm -hmm. built? And you start to see Tusk and Forearms, and they 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 are not okay with it. Yeah, they're realizing that like, not only are there more of you and you're also powered and arguably can figure that shit out. There's a guy that's only ever helped you and you're just going to like let him die potentially. Yeah, like, you and know, your, like, your, your pacifism, it's letting bad things happen, which mm -hmm. makes you 
not an accomplice to it, but you are just as responsible for those results. Yeah. And that's enough. Tusk is over it and he says, fuck it. And he goes for it. Oh, yeah. He lets the little guy out of his back. I wonder. I wasn't surprised by it because of the action figure, obviously. I wonder how jolting that was to anybody that didn't know because you just he, before that he just looked like a strong guy with maybe like rocks on his back or something yeah like he looks like a dude who would do like a football charge and take you out yeah but yeah. instead he just like leans over and is like ha! it's like what the hell was that right <laughs> and then we don't see that little guy anymore nope, he's just done <laughs> so and then the plant lady builds a wall and like solar bush yeah which interesting choice for a way to stop solar is to create plants right maybe they were weren't dry enough yeah so it <laughs> <laughs> the fire couldn't get through. Yeah, they were very, very wet tree. And then we actually see Tanaka uses his power and he like you see this x-ray effect on his hands where they like glow like red and black. And he uses that and he actually is able to give Scott his power back. So yeah, so I guess we don't ever get like a clear picture of what his powers are since he was created for the show. But I just kind of inferred that he's like healing. That's why he's the doctor. Yeah. And stuff. And apparently if he goes too hardcore and kills people, that's when he needs to be the coroner. <laughs> Or he's his power is control Z. He just like undoes things. Yeah. So people start fighting back and Solar's response is, fuck you guys, I'm going to destroy you. But he makes the mistake of turning his back on Cyclops. Cyclops like tags him from behind. Yeah. And then the plant woman literally just like sucks Solar into a bush, <laughs> which is really, really like kind of like terrifying. The Homer Simpson meme. Yeah. <laughs> but without it being an option. Yeah. Yeah, watchdog returns. He, he must needed to come back into town for whatever reason. Yeah, and he's pretty apologetic. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, he was one of those people who's just like, well, I got to do this or I have to deal with Solar. So, mm -hmm. but he lets Scott know that he has has fixed his uh, his comms on his jet and he's alerted the X Men and the X Men are on their way. And then we see that Tanaka returns with Prescott and then and he's fine. Here was the thing I loved about this episode because we know the X-Men are not great at locking people up when they should be. That was my last no, yeah. Scott is kind of like, all right, well, we could take care of him. And Prescott's like, no, we take care of our own shit here. And I'm like, yeah. are they going to off him? That's Yeah, that's great. It's like, <laughs> I, I made a note about that. I was like, now you want to apprehend someone? Yeah, about oh. time. And meanwhile, these people are like, no, let's take mm. care of it. Yeah, somebody's going to the gallows. Yeah, or like, like there are fates worse than death. <laughs> yeah. And then Tusk, who's like now proving to be like an ultimate badass, drops the statue. Yeah. Of Solar. So like the symbolic that where like the dictator's like statue falls and stuff. And then Scott and Prescott, you know, they have their their moment walking away and like, yeah, we have some shit to catch up on. Oh, yeah. And then he finally gets given the statue. Yeah. And he's like, how are they doing? Yeah. <laughs> It was a wholesome episode. It wasn't the great. I get I get the rating. Yeah. So like we talked about, it was Western inspired, both in its tone and its setup, inspired by a movie called Bad Day at Black Rock. Okay. And since I didn't do hardcore research on it, I did find some references that a part of that movie related to unjust prejudice. Oh, yeah. So if if you're looking at the, you know, what mutants are going through, mm -hmm. totally hits that from an analog perspective. Yeah. Yep. It's been, yeah, seeking like kind of solace somewhere and yep. still having to deal with shit from the outside world. Part of this was giving an episode dedicated to Scott because Scott as a character, sometimes even he even when he is in episodes focused on him, does tend to get overshadowed by some of your more colorful characters. And, and they were specifically referencing like Wolverine. But I mean, I think we could even see like going back to the episode with Scott and his dad 
his dad was more the focus of that episode to me than Scott yeah. was. I think it's funny that they fi- they finally like focused on Scott and he yells more in this than probably any of the other. Oh God, he like, yells so much. <laughs> yeah. I get it. He's he's frustrated, but like, man, is that that voice will haunt you. God, he's and he was definitely the kid who would be like, Professor, you didn't give us homework tonight. Yeah, right. 100% that dude. Also, we haven't had a pop quiz in a while. But at least there's finally the action figure from the VHS set. Oh, they yeah. finally did put that one in pre-order. So okay, I was gonna say, did you get it yet? It's in it's the in pre-order the queue. <laughs> By the time this episode airs, I will have the Mystique figure in in my hands, though. Nice. Are you, you're keeping the, all those in? Packages? They're all in the packages. I, I'm interested in seeing how those not just figures, but like literally age. Because if anybody hasn't gotten these VHS ones yet, they come in plastic-free packaging. So like the insides are all like wax bags, like not like wax-coated paper bags and yep. stuff. I just wonder like what that does from a collector standpoint. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting is I've I've been paying more attention to this recently in like the post-pandemic era. Like I went to Star Wars Celebration mm-hmm. and at Celebration there are certain action figures that whatever is in certain plastics, they are either perfectly clear see-through or they yellow like crazy. Oh, yeah. And like, I mean, I've definitely even seen that from poly bags with comics of like certain poly bags turn yellow yeah. versus like, you know, certain other ones are totally pristine and perfect. And I mean, we we saw it growing up even with Nintendos, like yeah. the original Nintendo's entertainment system. That thing is not the same color as the day we opened it. Oh, the parts aren't even like the door would yellow at a different rate than the rest. Yeah, of they were different. <laughs> they were literally different if they were coming from different manufacturing scenarios. Yeah. Did you ever have those cartridges where like the top half of the seam, you know how like it was like sandwiched together, like the top half plastic would yellow at a different rate than like the bottom half plastic or something? So shockingly, no, I don't know what the reason is, but all of my original NES cartridges are all the same original color. I didn't nice. have any of those transform. So, yeah. yeah. I think we just traded our games like shit. And then in the end of the day, my mom gave them all away at like a church rummage sale. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, it's probably over $1,000 worth of games now. So that's so that's what I do is like a, like a passive aggressive revenge to my mother is every time I go to Frankenstein's, which if you're not from California is like, imagine like a convention retail floor without the convention, I guess. It's a uh, flea market for it, nerds. It, imagine Comic-Con, but it is only the aisles that are selling merchandise. There is no celebrity. There are no signings. Yeah. There are no booths that are, are sorry, not, there are no panel rooms, etc. It is literally just a retail area. Mm-hmm. But the cool thing is the people who have the booth there have the same booth week to week. Yeah, so they they're can. able to like build stalls essentially yeah and then they have the glass cases with super rare stuff and things yeah. so every time i'm there i take a picture of something that i i owned as a child and my mom clearly remembers that i had that she had given away that has the sticker price of more than three digits and you're like you know what they sold that for at the church three dollars if that like i would be surprised if they're like this bag is two dollars like <laughs> yeah and then we see it on instagram probably so. like, remember this one's like has my initials on it rod any closing thoughts not really. I, I I didn't mind this episode. Wasn't a huge fan of it. It was cool, like now being older, seeing the old western like vibe too. Yeah, so, I so. I never like bec- like I said. I think because I didn't grow up on westerns, I never would have picked up on that because I mm-hmm. it is not a genre I watch. Like even if somebody says, "Oh, like like what can we watch?" and like I have an option, I would never pick the western movie personally. Yeah. yeah, I probably would watch like some of like the hyper like stylized tributes to them. Or right. Something. Like if someone did something like with Cowboys and Aliens and stuff like that, but not an actual like. 
I definitely was not sober the time I watched Cowboys versus Aliens. I, I, I and I don't even really love that movie. I I wanted it to be more, but I think I watched it like after a shift when I was a bartender <laughs> at like three in the morning. Oh geez, and I was definitely like hyped up off of like vodka Red Bull. You probably saw it's on the ideal conditions too. I was, <laughs> I was pretty bored with it. Yeah. <laughs> on that note. Thank you guys for joining us. And if you have any thoughts, make sure to drop them into the comments for either the YouTube upload or the official Instagram post about this episode. And if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on the podcast app of your choosing. I just want to point out, thank you to the people who have rated us. We don't have a ton of ratings, but we do have a five star on iTunes right now. Nice. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So thank you guys for that. Speaking of Apple Podcasts, we're there, we're on Anchor, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, and we're on CastBox, if that still exists at this point. <laughs> I don't know. What they own by Twitter? I can't wait till Rod has to bring back vines for us. Oh, man. Do you think they're going to make it that far? <laughs>